continue in this Armor of God series with just one week left. I was waiting for an awe. Thank you. We have just one week left in this Armor of God series, as well as this Ephesians series as we wrap up what has been 27 weeks, I believe, today, and I believe it's week seven, I'm sorry, week eight in the Armor of God. I hope it's been benefiting to you. It's been a great blessing benefiting to myself. And our, I, I just want to remind you real quick, and then I need to quickly get to the sermon because I, I just had this plan of getting straight through the sermon today, hitting the major points fast because we have a wonderful day with child dedications after the message. But I want to remind all of you that where we started in this Ephesians series is that God is building a new you. And Ephesians is all about explaining who we are to be as Christians. It explains what it means to be saved, and it tells us about the responsibilities that we have as being saved individuals, as being people not saved by the world, not saved by the evil one, by Satan, by our selfish fleshly desires, but saved by Christ. We are set apart. We are saints, and that means we're set apart by our faith in Jesus. That's where we're at today. Ephesians helps us to live every day for Christ. It helps to explain how we are to live. Now, like I said, we have one week left next week, and then we're going to be digging into some holiday-themed messages. We have a great blessing on the 28th of Pastor Eldon Carlson, our pastor emeritus, preaching while Pastor Chuck and I will be out of town. You can look forward to that. That was supposed to be a yay! All right, you're all awake today. Let's get going. You see, God's armor provides victory while we live in this spiritual battle. There is no other armor, no other weapon, no other thing in this world which can lead to the kind of victory which we need in this spiritual battle for human souls. That is right. It is for human souls. This isn't a physical battle. It's not a battle for our physical flesh. It is a battle for our spiritual souls. And Satan wants to do anything he can to take our focus off of God, off of his righteous way of living, off of eternity in the presence of him. God's armor is the right and the only way to live. God's armor is the right and the only thing for the job. And prayerful living, what we speak of today, prayerful living makes a difference in this battle. In this world which all of us are in against sin. You see, we have the armor, we have the weapons, we have what is needed to make a difference. But this armor, it can be heavy, can't it? Some of you might have stepped on the scale lately and noticed that you're a little bit heavier than you used to be. Well, let me unfortunately, be the one to present the truth that none of us like to hear, that that physical scale being heavier is not because of the armor of God. That's not the type of heavy that it can be. You see, wearing the armor of God, God can seem like a great burden as so many people around you, so many people in this world, so many people in our friendships, our families, our work, our, our businesses, and our governments can try to lure you away from living for God. But that is exactly why we're, we are told to stand firm, not in our own strength, but to put on with God's might, with God's strength, with God's power. Now, as we move forward in week eight here and speak about prayer, verses 18 to 20, let's read what God's word says here. We're just going straight to Ephesians chapter 18 here, where Paul says, 
God speaking through Paul in this letter says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Prayer, verses 18 to 20. This is our focus for today. If you're taking notes, you can simply write on the top of your paper, prayer. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20, that's an encouragement. Take notes. If you're not taking physical notes, take mental notes so you can remember it throughout the week. The main idea today is this. Victoriously live by always, yes, always standing firm in prayer. We stand firm in a lot of things, especially today, especially over the last year. We stand firm in a lot of personal beliefs. But do we stand firm in prayer? Do we stand firm in applying these beliefs to applying God's will, God's word, God's truth, God's righteousness to these things? We must stand firm in prayer. You see, prayerful living always makes a difference. Prayerful living makes a difference in your life. Prayerful living makes a difference in your friend's life or other people's lives because sometimes they're not even your friends are not people you know, but you're praying for them, and it does make a difference. Us praying for these Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child boxes, even though you don't know these people, can make a difference. Us praying makes a difference for the kingdom of God. Do we have kingdom living? You see, I think we can summarize this by saying that kingdom living is prayerful living. Kingdom living is prayerful living. If you're living according to the kingdom of God, you should be praying. And you should be praying regularly. Now, with child dedications today, I want to get straight to the points. Oh, good. Nobody said, yay! <laughs> Number one, we need to engage the enemy with prayer. We think so often to engage the enemy with so many things but prayer. In fact, I must admit a downfall on my part as your pastor this morning. Microsoft had a software update to the computers. We had problems getting the projectors to display on the right screens at the right time. And I'm messaging my wife in hopes that she'll pray. And I just keep working along and I hadn't prayed myself. So often we engage the enemy with so many other things but prayer. And yet prayer can be considered the greatest piece of the armor, the greatest weapon at our disposal. You see, prayer is a second offensive tool or weapon that the Christian soldier has. We so often might think of that sword at our side, or we might think to put on our protective armor with the breastplate of righteousness or the, the helmet of salvation but we forget prayer. But you see, prayer is actually given more attention than any of the other parts of the armor. It has been said that this is because it is foundational to the effectiveness of the armor. As each piece of the armor of God is meant to be put on and used with prayer. We must use and put it on with prayer. You see, powerful, prayerful living is powerful living. But moving forward with that idea, prayer, prayerful living is powerful living for it is through prayer that one finds a direct connection to the creator of the universe, the savior of the soul, and the great helper 
for one's true needs. We need prayer. And we need to engage the enemy in prayer. Now, one great aspect about prayer is it's something that nothing, nobody, no one can take away from you. No one may rip it out of your hands despite what the world says, what Satan says, what the school says, what the government says, what your friends or family or coworkers may say. Nobody can rip prayer out of your life except you. If you're not praying, you can't blame anybody else but yourself. Well, prayer is not allowed at my work. Well, last I checked, you don't have to pray out loud for God to hear your prayers. Well, my teacher says we can't pray in school. Last I checked, you don't have to pray out loud for God to hear your prayers. Just like if the school or your work or the government or your family says the Bible is not welcome here. You can't, you can't be thinking, you can't be reading God's word here. Well, if you memorize God's word, it's already within you. You don't have to read it out loud. You just have to remember it. This is our weapon. This is our responsibility. And we must take it up and engage the enemy, engage the sin, engage the temptation with prayer. Number two, moving forward quite fast, we must pray constantly. Straight out of scripture here, we're told to pray at all times in verse 18. Now, when do we pray? Do we just pray when we want something? Do we just pray when we desire something? When we have a need or we find ourselves in trouble? Or maybe you're thinking, oh, no, pastor, I'm better than that. I, I also pray when my good buddy's in trouble. Well, that's great too, but we must pray not just at these times, but at all times. Every single day, pray. Too often, we don't think to pray to our Father, Creator of the heavens and the earth in our times of need. Or too often we think to only pray to him in our times of need. And Satan loves this. The evil one loves this because when we're not praying, when we're not thinking to take our request and our needs to God, when we're not thinking to even just pray to God and praise for who he is, it allows ourselves to just slightly smaller and smaller and larger and larger things that we don't need to include God in these things. Satan begins to get a grip in our lives because we're allowing him to. We must be strong in God's might, connect with God, pray, but not just in times of need. If we truly want to protect our life and others and find provision from God and glorify him in all things, we must be praying in all things. Don't allow Satan to blind you in the first place. Don't allow Satan's fiery darts to start to get anywhere close. Hit it with prayer. Keep your focus on God at all times through prayer. Find daily strengths and not just circumstantial strengths through constant prayer. Number three, we must pray in the Spirit. We must pray in the Spirit. Again, straight out of Scripture here, it says praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." You see, all prayer is to be made in accordance with the Holy Spirit, for we cannot pray and know that it is within the will of God without including God. The Spirit of God indwells every believer, so we can't pray without the Spirit, for He is within us. 
guiding us, helping us to understand, helping us to have the right thoughts, the right, the right wisdom, the right discernment. What is praying in the Spirit? It is praying under the control of the Holy Spirit to help God's will be done. As one pastor said, a person who prays in the Spirit is seeking out God's will and God's glory above all else. And that is what is most important. Prayer must be passionate. Prayer must be passionate. As another pastor said, and I added to it, I paraphrased it, prayer is to be an act of worship in devotion to the one in whom we give complete trust and control. And as we pray passionately to this God, the one true God, we must pray with passion. We must pray intense prayers, intently focused upon him. I wrote here, what passion or devotion do you give to your work, your hobbies, your friends, your family, your spouse? Because we must give the same type of devotion to our God in prayer passionately talk to your Father in heaven, passionately seek him with your whole heart. Focus on God intently and intensely. Focus on his power. Focus on his strength. Focus on his wisdom. Focus on his presence. Focus on his promises. Not just your enemy and how he makes you weak, but focus on God and how he makes you strong, for he is mighty to save. Number five, Prayer must not be selfish. Lastly, this is the last point here. Prayer must not be selfish. We must seek the heart of God and his will and seek to glorify him. Often our prayers are focused too much on ourselves and too little for God. Too much on ourselves and too little for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Too much on ourselves, too little for the world and the nations and the governments and the schools and the laws being passed around us, the baby's health, the baby's very lives around us. We must pray more for others. We are all in this together. We must pray for one another, pray together and all for the glory of God and his will. Here we have Paul writing this letter. Paul himself is in chains Paul himself is under a Roman guard's um, guidance, a Roman guard's watch. And yet he remembers to pray for others, the saints, to teach the saints, to encourage the, strength, the, the saints, to convict the saints. We must learn to focus more on others, just like Paul and God's word teaches us here. The scripture here does not focus on Paul's needs, though. Notice that. Even as Paul is saying what to pray for, he's saying to pray for the saints. And then later he says, and pray for me. The scripture here does not focus on how Paul is praying himself for himself, but instead how one should pray for the saints himself included. There is a difference there. You see, Paul specifically says to pray for supplication. What is supplication especially to the children in here, the teenagers, the school-age kids. Maybe you struggle with that word supplication. Supplication is simply a fancier, longer word for supply. We are praying that God supplies our every need for his will to be done, for his glory to be given. But as we pray for supplication, we need to be praying for it with thanksgiving, for thanksgiving is an indicator of our worldview and our heart. 
You see, prayer with thanksgiving, praying with thanksgiving means that we ask God in both general and specific terms with a heart of gratitude for what he has already done and what he will continue to do lavishly and gracefully for us as saints. Have you ever thought about that word? God provides both lavishly and gracefully for all of us. Lavishly, he bestows upon us more than anything we deserve, but gracefully, he does it. Gracefully, he does it. Paul goes on here to give one specific supplication, one specific need he asked for, not a need just for himself, but for all saints, us today included as well. Do you pray for this? Do you ask for this? Paul asked for prayers that God would supply him words. He states that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What a prayer. You see, I think we so often do ask for prayers for our words, our speech. If you're like me, I grew up with a speech impediment, a trouble talking, and I did ask for God to help me with my voice. Maybe you struggle with confidence issues. Maybe you're shy. Maybe you ask God to help you with words as you're talking to friends, neighbors at school, in a meeting at work. You just want to look good in front of your peers. But do we ask for our words to be bold to proclaim the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, that Christ died for all? This is what we'll be preaching on next week. We'll be preaching on boldly proclaiming the mystery of the gospel of Christ as we wrap up this Ephesians series. But before we go, we must have some quick applications. We must have some practical, real-life applications for our life. You see, how do we pray? What do we pray for? We've had some great, powerful aspects or some, some ideas here, but let's bring it to your life. And let's use the very objects which we've been speaking of for eight weeks now. I'm going to read these straight from my notes because I want to make sure it doesn't turn into another sermon because it would be so easy to do. As we pray, we pray for the belt of truth. We pray for all to know and be controlled and directed by truth in their life. Not the truth of the world, but the truth of God's word. And as we pray for this, we pray as well for Satan's lies to be exposed. And that his slanders against God and his people and his will would be revealed by the very truth that we know from God's holy and inspired will. The breastplate of righteousness, how do we pray this? What do we pray for this? We pray that we would not be carried away by our emotions, but instead we would be seeking after holiness in all things, regardless of how we feel. Pray for holy living. Pray that we would have righteous living, and we wouldn't be self-righteous, but we would be godly righteous. That we would deal with other people with grace and mercy instead of anger and wrath. That marriage and relationships would be kept pure and that parents would be representing godliness to their children. We pray for the governments around us, for the nations, as we so sang this morning. We pray for the nations to seek out godly counsel, to seek out God-righteous ways of ruling in all things. We pray that honesty would control us in all our dealings 
both personal and professional at work and at school. And that each of us would keep the priorities that God has set for us rather than what our flesh might seek after. There's a balance which needs straightened here. And we need to prayerfully consider these things. How do we move forward? We move forward with the feet prepped with the gospel of peace. We pray that God's peace would control us regardless of our circumstances, that each person would grow in the knowledge of God and his love for us, which this peace brings. And then the shield of faith. We pray the shield of faith. We pray that all the saints would be strong in faith, having it tested and proven to be true, and that the flames of, the, of each of the devil's flaming arrows would be stopped, would be blocked before they grip into our flesh. We pray that his schemes, his attacks would be extinguished by our trust in God through thoroughly being grounded in his word, his promises, and his character. And then we have two left, the helmet of salvation. We pray the helmet. We pray the salvation. We pray that we would live according to the new nature that we have instead of turning back into our old nature. We pray that we wouldn't live spitefully. We wouldn't be living given over to our evil emotions, our depression, our, our, our anger, our frustration. But no, we would live according to the new life we have in Christ through salvation in him alone. Some of us need to stop focusing so much on the world so we can focus a bit more on God and then allow God to control how we interact in the world. And then finally, not finally, I want to finish one point with prayer for salvation. You see, as we pray for salvation and the hope within us, we also pray for that hope to be shown to all the unbelievers of the world. We pray for God to soften the hearts, to hear the message of salvation that we know to be true. And then finally, the sword of the Spirit. We pray that all saints would handle God's word with great accuracy, both defensively and offensively, for it is a weapon which can be used in both ways. Defensively, we pray that each would become mature and firm in their understandings and convictions in God's word. And then we pray that we would appropriately apply it to Satan's schemes for protection. Offensively, we pray that each would know the Bible so well enough to proclaim Christ so boldly for others to come to know him. Through his word, you see, it's not just through our story. It's not just through prayer. It's not just through our righteousness that people see based upon God's words. These are all good things. We need the whole armor of God, but we also need God's word. We also need prayer. Now, these are just a few examples, as it was a short 15 or 20 minute or so message today. We could never cover everything about prayer in one sermon. We could never cover everything about prayer in our entire lives. But I hope these are some illustrations, some applications, some points that you take home today. And you'll ponder, you'll meditate, you'll consider for your life. Are you engaging the enemy with prayer? Are you praying constantly? Are you praying passionately? Are you praying in the spirit? Are you praying at all? We must pray more. As I close, I just want to remind you to victoriously live, victoriously live for God by always, yes, always standing firm in prayer. For prayer does make a 
difference. Prayer makes a difference in all lives, and God loves to listen to our prayers. God loves to answer prayers, big things and small things. We need to pray to God. Pray for him to be glorified. Pray for his will to be done in all things. When you choose not to pray, it's as if you're claiming, I don't need God. Let me tell you, we need God for every single decision in our life, every single day of our life, every single moment of our life. Invite God into your mornings. Invite God into your afternoons. Invite God into your evenings. Invite God into your marriages, your families, your friendships. Invite God into your interactions in all things. As we do that, we're about to pray now. As we have a closing song after prayer, I want to ask the parents with child dedication, if you need to go grab a child from nursery or from children's church, during this final song will be the time to do so. And then after the song, I'll invite um, those parents and those significant family members or friends that are going to be up here to come forward. Let's pray now. Lord, we thank